You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. the nerdy girls out there who hide behind their sketchbooks, don't be afraid to tell your stories to the world. May May, breakfast is ready. Coming. It's gonna be May. Ah! Is everything okay? Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Dan, editor at Washington Post. Today we continue our Race in America series with Domi Shi, director of Turning Red, a film that has drawn acclaim from around the world. Thank you so much, Domi, for joining us. Yeah, of let's course. Get started. So happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I would love to know more about May, the central character of Turning Red. Tell us more about her, please. Yeah, so uh, she's inspired by myself when I was 13. Uh, she is this key, confident ball of energy who thinks she has her whole life together, uh, as you do when you're that age. And then boom, one day she undergoes magical puberty and transforms into a giant red panda. Uh, anytime she gets what, emotional, what, happy, sad. <laughs> what is the symbolism of the panda that she turns into? Yeah, uh, well, obvious, I mean, it's obvious from the, the visual of it that it's big, hairy, and red, so it's a, it's a, it's a symbol for, for puberty. It's a, it's a metaphor for all the big, hairy, bodily changes that we all go through at that time, and how she deals with it, and how she learns how to control it, and eventually embrace it, and how that's different than how her mom uh, dealt with it, and how her family dealt with it is kind of um, what the movie explores and kind of dives into just the messiness and the hairiness of growing up as a as a girl so we have a scene of one of my favorite we have a clip of one of my favorite scenes in the movie of may and the lee women let's take a look Oh, she gained weight. She looks like her mother. She looks like her father. Ladies. Mother. Hey, Grandma. Oh, dear. It must be so difficult keeping that unruly beast at bay. Your family is here now, Mimi. And we will take care of everything. 
<laughs> like your animated short that won the Oscar bow, um, Turning Red is about coming into one's own. Tell us more about how that's reflected in May's relationship with her mother. Yeah, I really wanted to explore um, a mother-daughter relationship, uh, but through the lens of this, like, this Chinese-Canadian girl and through the lens of uh, being an immigrant uh, kid and how it's not so black and white for us. Like, uh, we want to be independent. We want to find ourselves because we're growing up in the West, but at the same time, we have this very deep bond and connection with our family and our parents. Um, for me, especially like my mom and, you know, you, you want to, to make them proud. You want to do them right. But at the same time, you're like growing and changing into a very different person from your parents and the older generation. Uh, and for May, uh, you know, it's like she really has to struggle with uh, who she chooses to, to honor. And it's a, it's a struggle that I think a lot of us have to deal with for our whole lives because there is no clear-cut answer. It's not like in a lot of, I think, more Western-centric uh, coming of age stories where the kid is just like, they just separate and emancipate themselves from their family. Like for us, like uh, it's, it's, it's not so clear and we, we want to do both, but it's, it's hard. Absolutely. As the daughter of Chinese immigrants myself, that storyline resonated with me. And I know it resonated with a lot of other viewers who may not even have our similar ethnic backgrounds. Even my son, who was a boy, who's nine years old, to him, the movie was about a girl's panda powers and how she mm -hmm. discovered that she was going to be comfortable with something special that made other people uncomfortable. Um, and we know there was that one critic that felt that the emphasis on May's ethnic identity really did not allow a broader audience to connect with the film. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I mean, it was the number one uh, film premiere on Disney Plus uh, uh, ever. Uh, so I feel like a lot of audience members did connect with this very specific story. I think in in how specific a story can like is is where you find something that's very universal. And I know when I pitched Turning Red uh, to Pixar, I pitched it with two other ideas, but I think Pixar was drawn to this idea because um, in that very specific story of this Chinese Canadian girl going through the, you know, puberty, like everyone on the, on, on the, on the creative team, like who were never 13 year old girls could identify with and relate to that feeling of waking up one day and just not recognizing your body and feeling really awkward and weird and like all, and not being able to handle all of these roiling emotions inside of them. And they saw a lot of themselves in May, even though like visually uh, she doesn't look like um, them. And I think, uh, you know, like, like universal stories, I think we're like slowly redefining what they look like and who can star in them. And we're realizing that like, characters don't have to necessarily look like you for you to connect with them. I mean, I've been connecting yeah. <laughs> with movies and TV shows like, like for my whole life with characters that never look like me. So yeah. Exactly. As, <laughs> as many parts of the world. It's all on your yeah. perspective. And I want to hear more, actually, if you could tell us more about your pitch to senior executives and how you managed to get them interested in a film about puberty and periods mixed with all the cultural nuances. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it takes like a, a studio that's willing to really take risks and, and, uh, you know, I really, uh, I'm so grateful for Pixar for continuously trusting me, uh, with these stories. Um, when I pitched turning red, uh, you know, it, it, like the, the, the idea was the most, I think, personal out of the three ideas that I pitched, but I think it was chock full of things that they've never seen before. And I think the, the character May and her mom were just very fully realized from the beginning uh, because I just kind of just grabbed it from my own experience. Uh, you know, Ming, May's mother from, you know, my mom, my aunties, like all of the very strong women in my life who are responsible for raising me. Uh, and they saw a lot of humor and heart and fun in that dynamic. And um, they've also never seen uh, puberty depicted in an animated film quite like this before. And I think all of that together, along with, you know, like trying to insert like a lot of my own like Chinese Canadian upbringing into it just to make it feel more, yeah, unique and specific. I think that's what drew people to it, that it was both very unique and specific, but also such a universal feeling that everyone could relate to. Absolutely. And I want to turn quickly to your short bow, because it was another film that had very universal, relatable themes, but also ended in a very dark way with the mom eating the little dumpling. It made me hungry, but I want to know about that ending. And again, that was another way that was unexpected and unexpected twist um, and how you pitched that to executives. Yeah, I think that's my signature now. Like every time I, I go to them with a pitch, I want to surprise them or subvert their expectation in some way. Um, well, for, for Bao, uh, you know, I started developing it just as a side project on my own. Um, you know, I had, it was my first time living away from home. I was in my you know early 20s. I'm an only child and I was feeling a lot of this guilt uh, for like leaving my mom and dad empty nested and I kind of wanted to explore this story to kind of work through like oh like what must they be thinking about and like working through sorry um and uh every time I'd visit my mom for Christmas she'd always you know like hug me and be like oh my gosh don't me I wish I could put you back in my stomach so I knew exactly where you were at all times uh, and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet, but creepy. And they wanted to explore like, what is that sweet and loving, but slightly creepy and obsessive, like feeling that we, I think all of us experience when we see something like very, very cute. Sorry, my phone is just, I don't know why it's like, um, popular. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. And, and, and that was kind of the spark that kind of led to, um, making bow. <laughs> I also it's love always, all of the very it's always like my mom <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Well, I love also the very specific food references too. And you've mentioned that you're a foodie. Can you walk us through? I mean, even the breakfast that May's mom makes her in Turning Red. Talk talk to us about that. How you were influenced by that? Yeah, I mean, you know, in in Asian culture, in a lot of cultures all over the world, like food is like the language of love in so many families. Uh, especially for my family, because um, we don't say I love you with words. We, we say it with action. And for my parents, especially like food is their way of like taking care of me and showing that they care about me. Uh, and I always try to uh, 
uh, squeeze as many food moments as possible into every project that I'm working on. I also love seeing just like, I just love seeing characters eat on screen, like in, in a movie or TV show. It just makes the characters feel real, like they're living and breathing because they're like doing something to stay alive, but they're also enjoying it. And it's just a really fun detail that I love adding. And also just as an opportunity to, opportunity to like share really cool specific dishes with like global audiences. Uh, we did our research on turning red, like May's family, uh, they originate from the Taishan like region in China. So we looked up like, what are some really cool Taishanese dishes that we could like uh, put into the movie. Also had to do a shout out to Bao and do some dumplings in there as well. Um, yeah. So you moved to Canada at a young age yourself. I think you were two. Um, how yes. did your story, including your own relationship with your mother, inform this particular film? Yeah, uh, I think I was just inspired by wanting to go back to that time in my life where I was struggling with being my mom's perfect daughter, but also, you know, like this raging hormonal beast that was fighting with her every day. And I like went from like hating her to wanting her approval to loving her to like it was just such a roller coaster of emotion uh, at the time. And I think for a long time, I kind of I, I'm sure like all of us kind of block it out of our memories because it was such an awkward and weird time. But that's I think that's where a lot of gold lies in in those moments in our past and in like in growing up and I just wanted to go back and understand like okay what was going on not just from my point of view but also from my mom's point of view as well so how did she receive the film was she super proud of you how, did she cry what was it like for oh, her? she really loved it my dad is I think more like outwardly emotional than my mom so he cried like while watching it but then I think it took her like a day to process because she's like very much about like taking in information, thinking about it. But then like the next day, like she got all emotional and she was like, mm, I hope I was a good mother. And I was like, no, no, you, you were great. <laughs> but the, the point is that none of us are perfect and we should embrace that. <laughs> well, your relationship yeah. with your father is not reflected in the film, but I was curious how he influenced your career and your journey to Pixar. Oh, so much. And I'd like to think that we gave up, like we like uh, honored uh, dads and, and my dad in, in this movie and the character of May's father, Jin, uh, even though he doesn't have that many lines, it, he, ha he has this like quiet, but soft, like stoic nature and that, and he's kind of like the, the watchful, silent protector of, of, of his family. And he kind of comes in at the right moment to kind of save the day and give May the words of affirmation that she needs um, to kind of like truly embrace her her inner panda. And for my dad, uh, he's a little louder than Jin, than, than May's dad, but he uh, has been a huge, you know, uh, influence on me and inspiration for me. Like he's an artist himself. He uh, was an art professor in China before we immigrated to Canada and he was like my drawing and art tutor um, for most of my life. He helped me prepare my portfolio for, uh, for Sheridan College, for animation school. 
uh, we got into, like, I fought with him just as much as my mom, but like with my mom, it was like different stuff. But with my dad, it was always about art and drawing and he was kind of like a taskmaster, but uh, um, yeah, it, it, it all worked out, I guess. <laughs> so how did you find your creative spark? Your dad obviously influenced you at an early age, but how did you come into your own voice as an artist? Yeah, I just think, um, I mean, my parents had a lot to do with it because they actively encouraged me to draw uh, because I liked it so much. Um, and at an early age, I found that, you know, uh, I, I was pretty shy. I, I, I wasn't the best, um, you know, like talker, but anytime I showed something like a drawing that I did to anybody, like that would immediately create a connection with a kid or an adult. And that was how I was able to communicate and, and make friends uh, at an early age, um, I, I feel lucky that I found like that thing like early on and that was nurtured by, by my parents. But yeah, like even in elementary school and middle school, I was like the, the kid who could draw in, in class, like boys would come to me and like, like pay me a dollar to draw fan art of their favorite Pokemon. Girls would ask me to draw them with their crushes. And I like, realized like, oh my gosh, I could, I could actually make money. <laughs> I can so make you money. Like May through my the <laughs> yeah. I was hustling exactly like May like at an early abs age. And feet, facial features. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that costs extra. No, I didn't say that. But <laughs> <laughs> What does it mean for you now to have your work resonate around the world in this way beyond your, you know, elementary school classmates? Oh my gosh, it it's beyond my my wildest dreams. Yeah, I was draw I was yeah, rendering abs for girls in school for like a dollar and now I'm I guess doing it for a living. <laughs> uh yeah, it's definitely a childhood dream come true uh for sure, but I I'm just so grateful for like all of the opportunities that I've been given and um I I don't take it for granted and I I feel um, this responsibility to like pay forward all of the support I've gotten and to really help like nurture the next generation of, of filmmakers and, and, and artists and give them the chances that I've gotten to. Well, from Olympic athletes to Hollywood actors now, there seems to be a transformation around the cultural visibility of Asian Americans. What does this representation mean to you? I think it's huge and it's, it's definitely a, a, about time. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with our generation. Um, you know, these adults who like grew up, uh, you know, in, in the West with, you know, Eastern parents, but with Western hopes and, and, and dreams and ambitions. And, you know, we, we are kind of living out the, the dreams that are, our parents had when they first immigrated here. And, um, and, and yeah. And then I feel like, you know, like work, we represent the most, the, the, the most, the, the best of, of, of both worlds, I think. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be in, in film and, and uh, sports and everything. Why is this representation especially important in animation, for example? Yeah, I think it's hugely important because animation reaches such a broad audience. It reaches children. And I think, uh, you know, like 
a lot of good and bad values are taught and ingrained in people from a really young age. So I think animation is a very powerful messenger and a very powerful tool to really uh, promote uh, like empathy uh, and 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 really sh like introduce kids to new ideas uh, to people and cultures that they're not familiar with. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's huge. I think it's, it, they are the future. Like, like our audience is the future. Right. And as a mom myself, just being able to sit down with my kid and have him watch his culture being reflected on screen with your movie, with Raya and the last dragon with, um, Shang-Chi. It's just, it's been, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's amazing. Like I, I remember when I was growing up and that wasn't even that long ago that like there were so few, uh, yeah, like movies or TV shows to choose from for us in the West. So this is, this is just a really exciting time. For yeah. And Mulan. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. We Mulan. <laughs> yes. Which was great. Great. You were recently promoted to leadership um, at Pixar. What does it mean to you to be someone who's actually driving this cultural change? Yeah, I feel um, really excited and a little nervous about the new role. But yeah, I, I really, like I said, just want to make sure that um, I, I'm, I'm helping nurture uh, and, and, and promote the next generation of, of, of filmmakers and really just help guide them and give them all of the advice and the things that I learned making my first film. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about the lineup coming from, from Pixar. There's going to be a lot of really amazing projects by really cool people. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. <laughs> well, as an artist of color, there's often this pressure to represent. So how do you balance how do you tell stories that feel true and personal, authentic to you while still representing? Yeah, uh, one way is just to make sure that I'm not the only artist of color on the show. Uh, it was important for me, you know, going into making this project that there would, you know, be more, uh, you know, Asian people on the show so the burden doesn't fall on me to represent all of us. Uh, it was amazing to be able to work with Julia Cho, who's Korean American uh, as a screenwriter, and um, Rona Liu, uh, our production designer, who is Chinese American. Uh, and just, you know, there were a lot of Asians on the crew in every department as well, um, who would chime in, offer an opinion or an idea or a voice. I'm not, a, I'm not a Cantonese speaker, and you know, May and her family speak Cantonese. Cantonese in the movie so it was important for us to like reach out to you know different groups just to make sure that we were you know pronouncing everything right making sure that all of the signs in Chinatown like every like everything looked and felt authentic yeah it's just like also just admitting that you don't know everything and 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 to be open to asking for help and 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 advice um I think that's the way to, that's the best way I think to go about like telling these stories and, and trying to stay authentic, but also, you know, uh, true to the story that you want to tell as well. 
I love that answer too, because it shows that within Asian America, there is a huge diverse array of cultures and opinions and just experiences that I feel like we're often lumped as one monolith, as you see with the anti-Asian America hate, anti-Asian hate that's mm -hmm. happening right now. Um, and mm -hmm. everyone who looks like us is being lumped in and spreading their coronavirus. Um, I was wondering if yeah. you had any thoughts about the Atlanta spa shootings, for example, and the other violence targeting our communities. Oh, it's terrible. And I feel like it's even more important than ever to uh, really support and, 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 uh, and in, invest in Asian stories. Cause like I mentioned before, especially with animation, like a lot of those really terrible ideas, um, start from a young age uh, from people who have who haven't grown up with with empathy or exposure to anything beyond really terrible stuff and i think like animation movies tv shows like the more that we show that we're here we exist we're human we have emotions and we go through you know like uh you know, like heartbreak, you know, like, like uh, uh, humor, like, like everything. Uh, I think that, that just, I think helps somehow in, 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 in telling the world that like, we're here, we deserve to have stories told about us. We deserve to feel safe and to be, uh, you know, human. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for humanizing us. I mean, that is such a key part of what you do. Um, and your impact on, on the future. I was wondering in closing, if there's any advice you can offer to other young Asian Americans who want to get their voices heard. Yeah, uh, I think what helped me a lot was, was finding friends and, and, and colleagues and, and people who want to do the same thing that you want to do. Uh, for me, it was animation. Uh, and um, I just feel uh, like I, wouldn't be here without the support of of my friends of uh you know fellow nerdy animation girls uh because it's it's hard to be alone and to be the only one of you know your kind in in a room but um but you're not so i feel like like the first thing to do is just to make sure you don't feel like you're alone like it might be impossible to fit to not feel alone in those rooms but like you can always send an email out, like reach out for a lunch. You can like find ways to build your support system and that will help build your confidence and help you find your voice um, in the future. So yeah, find your squad you so basically, like, like Maid did in, in, in the movie. <laughs> we all need our squad. Unfortunately, that's mm -hmm. all the time we have. Thank you so much, Domi, for speaking with me today. Yeah, of course, it was great. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.